Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, and joining me on this very special year-end edition of Half the Battle is the inaugural tout master himself, Kyle Marley, and my man, the MMA state of mind, Bob Voss. Kyle, welcome back to the show, man. Thanks, man. Good to be back. Yeah, man, and uh, you finally won. The tout master, you know, last time we talked, you were in track to win, but now you won it, man, so how does it feel? Good, man. You got the money, fast payment. Uh, can't wait for next year, so hopefully we'll get more entries if we haven't already. Absolutely, and MMA state of mind, Bob Voss. You know, I couldn't think of a better guy to help me recap 2015, and welcome back to the show. You know, you're on the inaugural Half the Battle. We got the inaugural Topmaster champ and the inaugural guest for Half the Battle right here, right now on Half the Battle. Welcome back to the show, Bob. Thank you very much. You got to bring in the big guns for the end of the year. That's right, baby. Always bringing the big guns. And, you know, we got to talk about 2015 because it was an incredible year, you know. Lots of ups, lots of downs, and, man, a lots, lots of learning lessons. You know, it's interesting. I believe that at least seven or eight new champions in the UFC, and obviously John Jones was stripped of his title, Anderson Silva with the whole Marcos from Thailand thing. There's so much to talk about in 2015. But first thing I want to talk about is the coach of the year. Now, there's obviously a couple options for this story, uh, but I have to go with Master Rafael Cordero. I mean, this guy produced two UFC champions in RDA and Fabricio Werdum, and, you know, the philosophy he's bringing into the sport is just something that uh, you can't teach overnight. you got to go in there, put some years in with him, and then you'll see the changes that he makes to his fighters. I mean, RDA and Werdum, a lot of people were saying these guys were at the tail end of their careers, and now they're UFC champions. So my vote for Coach of the Year is Master Hoffa. Now, Kyle, I got to know, who does the top master think is the coach of 2015? You know, I'm just going to go with the same old Jackson Wink. Uh, beating Ronda was a pretty big deal. They had another guy for a title last weekend. I think they'll be getting another title here in, uh, what, another week or two with Condit. I'm just going to go ahead and say Jackson Wink on that one. Very bold. The top master is predicting that Carlos Condit will defeat and dethrone ruthless Robbie Lawler. But we got to move on to upset of the year. And, you know, obviously there were some big upsets in 2015. Now, my pick is probably pretty obvious for most of you. I got to go with Holly Holm. You know, she defeated Ronda Rousey, who a lot of us, myself included, thought was going to retire undefeated. And then obviously that didn't happen. That ended in a flash with a big head kick. I didn't see it coming. I didn't bet on Holly Holm. So to me, that was the upset of 2015. Now, Kyle, I got to know, man, what is the upset of the year? Uh, obviously it is Holly, but I'm going to go ahead and be different on this, and I'll say Rafael Dos Anjos over Anthony Bloom. Uh, I thought maybe he had a shot of winning, but I didn't think he would be anywhere near as dominant as it was. So uh, I like RDA in that one, and I also like uh, Uriah Hall over Musasi. Didn't see that one coming at all. Yeah, those are some, some good ones. And speaking of RDA versus Pettis, you know, my next category is performance of the year. And, you know, I got to give it up to RDA because that was single-handedly the best performance of 2015. I mean, not only was he a big underdog, but, you know, a lot of us thought, you know, if RDA wins this fight, maybe he, you know, lays on him like Clay Guida did, you know. And he not only does he go out there and, you know, beat him on the ground, he beats him standing too. And he ate a Pettis head kick to the chin and just kept walking forward. And one doesn't simply eat a Pettis head kick to the chin and keep walking forward. So for that reason, Rafael Dos Anjos at UFC 185 was my performance of the year. Now, Kyle, what's your performance of the year for 2015? I'm just going to switch you on this one. It's got to be Holly if I'm going to... Take RDA on the other one. It's got to be Holly. She dominated Ronda the whole fight uh, and then ended with her head kick that Ronda even kind of called. Uh, said the only way she's going to beat her is with a head kick, and it happened. So I got to go with Holly on that one. Yeah, it's crazy to go back and watch the pre-fight talk because she almost foreshadowed exactly what was going to happen. Now, Bob, are you, are you back in this call by chance, my man? Uh, looks like we still don't have MMA state of mind due to technical difficulties. That's okay. I'll keep chatting with the top master until the MMA state of mind himself returns to half the battle. So, you know, it's funny. So Kyle picked Holly Holm for performance of the year. I picked RDA for performance of the year. And we basically switched our upsets and performances of the year. Now, next up, breakout star of 2015. Now, I got to go with my man, Tomas Almeida. I mean, this kid is 21-0 with 20 finishes. And he is just... 
a force to be reckoned with. I truly believe, and I've gone on record many times saying that I think that Tomas Almeida is a future UFC champion. Now, Kyle, I got to know, firstly, do you agree with me when I say that Tomas Almeida is a future champion? And who is your breakout star of 2015? Um, boy, it's early, but yeah. I mean, I'd say as of now, he looks like he definitely could be a future champ. Uh, that comeback at 189 was pretty nuts. He was getting it picked apart in the first round. I uh, got hit a couple times really big. Uh, and then came back and got that awesome knockout. So, yeah, I would say he's probably the the one to choose. But I also like that guy who beat Sam Cecilia, that Choi guy. I don't remember his whole name, but something Choi. Uh, he had a pretty impressive performance. Looked a lot like Almeida, I thought. So maybe those two. Yeah, Duho Choi is definitely someone to look out for. Now, Bob, you back in here or what, man? I am. I'm in a special part of the country of Illinois where... Reception does not seem to be a thing that happens, but I'm good right now, currently. Well, we can hear your voice loud and clear. So I got to know, Bob, who is your breakout star of 2015? I picked Tomas Almeida, and Kyle picked Duho Choi. Uh, as weird as it is, I think I'm going to go with uh, Joanna Jonjenczyk. I think she stepped up in big ways, in big spots, and has proven simply by her surge in followers and any type of social media or sponsorships that... She's starting to put the 115-pound division on the map and really showing that that division has much more depth than 135. Yeah, and that's a very good pick. I'm actually glad you mentioned that because, you know, back when Carla Esparza was the champion, no disrespect to Carla, but I wasn't exactly, uh, you know, sending my friends YouTube links to check out the 115-pound champ. Now I am because, I mean, Joanna, she just brings that violence and that excitement that you want to watch when you uh, sit down and, you know, check out the UFC. So that's a very good pick. Now, next up, we got the submission of the year. And for me, it's a no-brainer. I got to go with Aljamain Sterling versus Mizugaki because, I mean, you know, obviously Mizugaki is at the end of his career, but the reason that that submission was so impressive is because, you know, one doesn't simply submit a UFC fighter from bottom with an arm triangle. And that's exactly what uh, Aljamain Sterling did. And, you know, it wasn't the first time we've seen it. You know, I think we saw it with... Uh, Rick Story versus Brian Foster, but it's the first time in a very long time that we've seen anything remotely close to that. For that reason, that is my submission of the year. Now, Kyle, I got to know, what's your submission of 2015? That was a good one. I like his last one as well. Uh, but I have to go with one that will never be done again, and that is Mighty Mouse uh, over, what's his nuts, at 24 minutes and 59 seconds. Horiguchi. Man, that was nuts. That will never happen again. One second left in the fight. That was incredible. And, you know, it's funny you bring that up because Frankie Edgar tapped out Cub Swanson what seemed to be at the very end of the fight. And at that time, he had the uh, latest submission win in UFC history. But DJ, he beat that, and it will never be beat again. It can only be tied. So that is a very good pick. Now, Bob, I got to know, man, submission of the year for 2015. I'm going to pick one that most people aren't going to remember. And probably aren't gonna isn't gonna be their go-to i'm gonna go for with daniel cormier over rumble johnson partly because of what was at stake they were going for john jones belt in the first round rumble had dc knocked clean on his ass and would probably have knocked out almost anybody else if they didn't have as good of a chin and then slowly but surely dc started grinding on him and grinding on him and grinding on him and choked him out not five ten minutes later yeah, that was, uh, that was quite a submission. You know, I actually picked Rumble in that fight, so, you know, I remember that night very clearly. That night ended my 18-fight win streak. So, uh, yeah, definitely a moment to remember and a big learning lesson for myself. Now, next up, knockout of the year. You know, it's pretty obvious what I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with the notorious Conor McGregor. I mean, not only did he knock out the great Jose Aldo in 13 seconds, but he went on to unify the title and, you know, this is a guy who comes into the UFC. He says he's going to be a two-division uh, world champion. You know, in the past when we've heard people talk like that, you know, uh, Brandon Vera comes to mind. And, you know, he said he was going to, you know, defeat Chuck and defeat Randy and this and that. And obviously that never happened. Now it's happening over at a 1FC. But we're talking about the big leagues here. And Conor McGregor's actually doing what he said he was going to do. And one doesn't simply knock out Jose Aldo, period. One doesn't simply beat Jose Aldo. One doesn't simply knock out Jose Aldo in 13 seconds of the very first round in the first exchange. My knockout of the year is Conor McGregor defeating the great Jose Aldo. Now, Kyle, I got to know, do you have a knockout that tops mine? 
Uh, no, the tops of that one, I do not. But I will pick a different one, uh, and I will say Felder over Castillo with that spinning back fist just because, I mean, that put him up to a 4-1 to favorite over Ross. Everyone just thought he was the next champion after that one. So uh, I would have to choose that or even Connor over uh, Mendez. That was that was be that was awesome being in the arena. So uh, for me personally, it's that one. But I like that back fist as well. Yeah, Paul Felder, no doubt about it. He had one of the most incredible knockouts of 2015. And after that knockout, we were all like, "Holy shit! You gotta watch out for Paul Felder. This kid could be." a future UFC champion. And it's interesting how it played out. You know, two decision losses later, now he's opening up the fight pass prelims against Darren Cruikshank, potentially fighting for his job. So, I, you know, I can't wait to see what happens there. Just for, uh, you know, a little sneak peek, I'm going with Paul Felder. But I got to know, Bob, what was your uh, knockout of 2015? I'm a little torn between two. Uh, one was Lawler knocking out Roy McDonald, but it almost just because of how odd it was. It was the accumulation of strikes and then kind of just Rory sitting down and like his energy just completely got drained from him and just collapsing. So just from sheer uniqueness, but I think I'm going to have to go with uh, Uriah Hall over Gegard Musasi as much as that pains me because I was on Musasi in a big way and especially the over in that fight because it just it seemed perfect for little side-to-side -side dancing, occasional strike thrown here with Musasi getting the better of a maybe a late sub, but for the most part, you know, a little hand claps, maybe some high fives, some hugging it out, whatever, some staring, and it just came out of nowhere. I mean, I would, the only reason I put that above that is I thought if Conor McGregor was going to beat Aldo, he was going to knock him out. 13 seconds is spectacular, absolutely. But if he was going to win, I thought he was going to knock him out. He isn't the power to knock out anybody in the division, clearly. So I thought it was a distinct possibility. If you would have asked me, I really couldn't have told you that Uriah Hall would have knocked out Gegard Musasi with the chin that he has. And it was, I was dumbfounded. Probably still am every time I watch the clip. Yeah, I mean, that was an absolutely incredible knockout and a big upset for 2015. Now, next up, we got to talk about the fight of the year. Now, real quick, just so you all know, we're doing the fight of the year, and then we're doing the most underrated fight of the year. So, basically, you get two fight of the year contenders, and obviously, you know, we're all going to mention Robbie versus Rory because, I mean, that truly was an incredible war. That's the kind of fight where everyone that was at my house, we were all on the edge of our seats not knowing what was about to happen next. And the thing I really liked about it was – the whole dynamic with, you know, Rory's kind of, I don't want to call him a point striker because he hurt Robbie and he was looking for the finish, but, you know, the general feel of his striking style is, you know, he likes to jab and move, you know, hit that front kick and eventually if he wears you down, then he starts teeing off on you. With Robbie, he slowly chips away at you and once he landed that big punch in the fifth round, you know, Rory's face literally broke because it was five rounds of systematically, you know, chipping away at this guy and that's why Robbie is the champion so that is the fight of the year in my opinion now I know you guys probably agree but uh you know just just name some other fight of the years but but just remember right now we're doing fight of the year we'll get to underrated fight of the year next you go ahead and take this one Bob I think I think I'll go hmm that's hard especially if I'll be able to get to do uh underrated fight of the year um I know it was more a uh, quick question before I go there. Are you going to do a round of the year or just fight the year? Uh, we, can, we, we can now, but I think we can all agree that uh, Cisco and... Uh, uh, oh, no, see, I, I'll, I'll go fight of the year, but it only lasted around since I can't do uh, Rory and uh, Robbie. I'll go uh, Andre Orlovsky versus uh, Travis Brown. Uh, I was there live and just seeing... Both men just drop and fall and rise, and it actually it was actually a fairly one-sided fight. Most people don't remember that. Uh, Andre Arlovski was pretty much getting the best of him in almost every exchange, but it was the fact that while wobbly and almost completely out of it, Travis almost came back at the very end of the round and wobbled Arlovski before, well, he could barely stand before it finished off, and... There was just so much action-packed going on in that first round. You rarely see heavyweights swing that fast for that long, for the most part. But, yeah, I'll, I'll agree the Lineker and Cisco one was pretty good. I was more just upset because I got that completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now uh, I need to know from the tout master, 
you know, what is your fight of the year besides Rory and Robbie? Um, really, UFC 189 had three of them with Rory, Robbie, um, Bermudez. Um, who did he fight? Bermudez, Stevens. Stevens. And uh, the pick at Almeida was crazy, too. So you could really pick any of those, but since he took the Arlowski Brown, I'm going to go ahead and say the Rivera Lineker because that was just that was crazy. That was, I, I could watch that every day of my life. Yeah, I mean, that was absolutely an incredible display. The kind of fight that you want to show new fans of the sport, you know, to get them into the UFC. Now, we got to talk about the underrated fight of the year. Now, my pick is Darren Till versus Nicholas Dalby. I mean, you know, the fight was kind of flying under the radar. Then these two go out there, and Darren Till, he almost knocks out Nicholas Dalby in the first round. You know, it's a 10-8. We think he's going to go out there in the second round, finish the deal, and, you know, Dalby shows off his durability. And then in that third round, Dalby comes back, and he gets a 10-8 round, and they score the fight a draw. So, man, that is my underrated fight of 2015. you got to have to check out Dalby versus Till if you haven't. And also, Nicholas Dalby was recently on half the battle, so you guys need to check that out on iTunes as well. Now, Kyle, i got to know, what is the most underrated fight of 2015? Well, really, the most underrated fight of 2015 has to be Gaethje versus Palomino because it's not in the UFC. Um, but if we're talking about UFC only, uh, I'm going to have to go ahead and say that pick it out made it one just because it was so quick. Uh, people really just remember that knockout, but it was, it was an awesome fight from start to finish. Yeah, it was absolutely an incredible fight. Now, Bob, underrated fight of the year. Well, I was going to go with Ferguson Barbosa, but that's a, it's a little bit too recent, and I think actually a lot of people are probably going to pick that. So for, for underrated, honestly, you know what? I'll go... Um, with OSP versus Glover, I with the swings in that fight, like there were there was a, a very definite amount of time that OSP looked like he was just gonna beat up the old man Glover and just sail off into the sunset. But with it being five rounds and it going further on, Glover was able to get in there and fairly action packed considering how slow Glover has become and how limited OSP is. Yeah, and that was a very good fight. You know, uh, myself and Kyle, we were actually in attendance. That's the day we met. And, you know, I lost my ass on OSP, but regardless, it was a very good night. And uh, next up, you know, round of the year. I think we can all agree that Cisco versus Lineker is the round of the year. And if we disagree, then we got to go with Brown versus Arlovsky. I don't really think that there's another option for round of the year. I mean, do you guys have a better idea than those two, Kyle? Those are definitely the two. Uh, I don't think you could put anybody ahead of those two. Uh, I don't even know who to pick as the better out of the two. So, yeah, it's one of those, and uh, you can just flip, flip a coin, really. Yeah, now, Bob, are we in agreement here that those are the two top candidates for round of the year? I think the only two that was almost a full one round of back-and-forth action. You could list a number of single round dominations like you could bring up the Conor McGregor knockout you could bring up more recently Dobronx getting this like all that stuff that happened immediately but it was completely one-sided for the most part just that that back and forth of the two it's like I, I really don't think you could pick anything other than those two for round of the year for sure now next up this is going to be a little interesting category reporter of the year. Now, I got to go with Megan O'Leavy. You know, I'm a big fan of her. Not just uh, her interviews, but, you know, she just seems like a really cool chick. And I like the fact that she's not asking the same questions that everyone else asks. Now, for all my buddies that host podcasts that are wondering why I didn't pick you, you know, you guys aren't reporters, man. If, we're, you guys are podcasters. You guys are awesome at what you do. But I'm talking about a completely different category. So don't get offended. So for my reporter of the year, Megan O'Leavy, I just think that she's the best at what she does. And, I, I just love watching our interviews, man. So that is my reporter of 2015. Now, Kyle, who is your reporter of 2015? Well, shit, I was going to say you, but I guess we're going to call you a podcaster and said, I'll go with Megan, too, just because she's probably the cutest. Um, and I don't really know many reporters, to be honest with you. Helwani's my favorite uh, journalist, I guess, if that's what you want to call him. Yeah. But let's go ahead and say Megan. She's, uh, she's a little cuter than them. Yeah, just, just a little bit. <laughs> now, Bob, I got to know, man. MMA Reporter of the Year. Okay, now, by I, I want you to clarify a little bit on MMA Reporter. Because do you mean strictly someone that's on TV? Do you mean someone that reports news? Do you mean someone that can do some uh, journalist stories, but for a number of, like I, I need a little bit more clarification, if you wouldn't mind. 
what I mean, Bob, is basically someone that interviews fighters, but that's not part of a podcast. You know, someone that goes to the events and sits down one-on-one with the fighter. Someone, you know, you could even say Ariel Helwani if you wanted to because he's at the events, you know, he's got that microphone and he's standing in front of the fighters interviewing them. So when I think of a reporter, especially in this category, that, that's the kind of reporter I'm talking about. Okay, well, this is going to be a little bit of a stretch, but he does interview fighters. He's at almost every single event, if not every event. I actually think he's at every event. Uh, hasn't been on TV or anything like that, but I'm going to go with um, uh, Kyle's state mate, Dwayne Finley. I think he is just a cut above the rest in pretty much everything, and almost every single fighter interview or writing he does on one kind of just blows me away, so I'm going to go with him. Yeah, Dwayne Finley is, uh, you know, one of the most underrated guys in the biz, and he's actually, he's very appreciated by the hardcore fans with, for a good reason. I mean, he's one of the best, and the things he's doing with Carlos Conde right now, I'm a big fan of, and, you know, Dwayne, if you're listening right now, man, would love to get you on the show. Now, next up, we got to talk about the event of 2015. Now, for me, and I'm sure for Kyle, it's a pretty obvious choice. You got to go with UFC 189, because starting from the Matt Brown fight up until the Conor McGregor fight, that was the best sequence of fights in UFC history. I just said it, you know. If, if I'm going to call over some friends and I want to be like, look, you got to check out this sport that I'm really into, you know, called MMA, and this is the premier league called the UFC, and this is the premier event, UFC 189, starting from Matt Brown versus Tim Means. That is my event of 2015. Now, Kyle, you are in attendance for UFC 189. You've attended other UFC events. Just tell us right here, right now, in half the battle, how did that stack, you know, in comparison to some of the other events you've been to? That's the best event I've been to in my life. I've been to a number of fights. Uh, been cage side at a number of fights, and I was a nosebleed at that one, and it was still unbelievable. I've been to some big basketball, football games. I, w I went to the uh, Michael Jordan first comeback game against the Pacers. That was nuts, but 189 tops everything. That the Irish are unbelievably insane. Uh, I've never seen a group of fans like them. They basically just ran Vegas the whole time. Uh, security couldn't do anything. It's too many of them. Uh, that place was just wild. It's 189, hands down. The town master saw the great Michael Jordan play in person, and he's picking UFC 189 as not just the event of the year, but the best event he's ever been to. Now, MMA state of mind, I got to know, man, was UFC 189 the best event of 2015, or is there one that we're forgetting about? I'm, I'm going to have to go with 189. Uh, I've been to, I went to two events this year. Uh, UFC on Fox Chicago and uh, UFC 187. And I think 189 just beats them. I mean, maybe if John Jones actually did fight at 187 and uh, uh, Natal uh, Uriah Hall fight didn't ruin everything and all that kind of stuff, it might be different. But I, I have a little bit different perspective because I wasn't able to watch 189 live. Uh, I was actually uh, on a vacation that weekend with my wife and came back and had it recorded and watched the whole thing over the course of days. Not, not even in one sitting. I didn't have the time. But in the morning before I go to work, I would watch one to two fights every morning. And the type of adrenaline it even gave me watching it in truncated fashions over the course of like three, four mornings, just nothing could really can compare to it. And it, it wasn't even as one seamless thing. There, there, I don't think, I think you could make it more specific. I'm not sure there's ever been a better main card in UFC history. Because the early fights, we could agree. Some of the earlier fights on the card were a little, eh, not so good, whatever. It didn't look so good. Cody Gar Garbrandt looked okay. Like, whatever. But the, that main card, I think, tops everything, bar none, that I've seen live, or, I guess, post the fact from the UFC. Yeah, absolutely, and it started off with the Matt Brown fight, you know, the uh, the main event of the prelims. Now, UFC 189 was the kind of event where, you know, I was hanging out with my boy, the MMA genius, you know, follow him on Twitter, and, you know, we watched UFC 189. I had a bunch of people over at my house, and, you know, obviously they left after the fights were over, and MMA genius and I, we were like, dude, we got to rewatch that shit, because that was the most incredible thing we've ever seen. I mean, when that night ended just... You know, it was when they introduced the new graphics package, and, you know, they were showing the flags on the octagon itself, and then the fights were just incredible, and, man, that was one of the best events just of all time. So definitely of 2015. Now, next up, we got fighter 
of the year. Now, that's a pretty obvious choice who I'm going with. I'm going with the notorious Conor McGregor. I mean, like we previously mentioned earlier, this guy came into the UFC. He said he was going to be a two-weight uh, division champ. And, you know, so far he's won the interim belt. He's unified it, knocked out the great Jose Aldo. And now he's got aspirations to go up to the 55-pound division and win that belt as well. I believe he can do it. But as far as him being the fighter of the year goes, you know, the guy's bringing in the numbers. He's single-handedly changing the game. And he's saying he, he's saying what he's going to do, and then he goes out there and he does it. So for that reason, Conor McGregor is my fighter of the year for 2015. Now, Kyle, who is your fighter of the year? Hard to go against Conor. Oh, man, the year that guy's had. I would have said Cowboy after, I mean, before this last weekend, he was on, what, a 8-5 win streak or something like that. Um, oh, that's a good question. I'm going to have to, well, I'm going to say Connor as well, but I'll pick Holly Holm just because of the that crazy upset. Holly Holm, new champion. For sure. Those are two very good picks. Now, Bob, who is your fighter of the year for 2015? This is actually going to be kind of odd. I was thinking about this before, and I'm actually going to agree with Kyle, but not just strictly because of the upset. So not a lot of people remember, Holly Holm has fought three times in the UFC. All of them were this past year. So she went from not in the UFC to 3-0 and in the UFC, and beating the champion. But that's not even it. So, Conor McGregor, everyone was spit, split. Pretty 50-50, maybe a little bit more on his side, thinking he could beat Aldo. And he did. Holly Holm, I don't care who you are or who you say you are, no one thought she could beat Ronda Rousey. No one. No one. They thought she was going to get dumped. She was going to get subbed. I did too. I thought there were better people in the division that had a better chance. I thought she had no shot. I put obscene amounts of money against her in numerous ways. The only thing that saved me was the fact that it went under a round and a half. Mm -hmm. She showed something in that last fight that you didn't see in her previous two. She controlled the cage in a way that we've never seen before. We've seen her like land in a way you've never seen before. So unless she was really secretly hiding techniques that she somehow had, it blew everyone away. So she went 3-0 and and dethroned someone that no one gave her a shot in hell of beating. So I'm going to agree with Kyle. He is in the right. Go with the Tau Master. Holly Holm gets fighter of the year. Yeah, and speaking of Holly Holm, man, you know, it was really surprising how she rose to the occasion against Ronda Rousey because if you watch her first two UFC fights, I mean, they weren't anything to, you know, run home about. And, you know, with uh, her fight versus Raquel Pennington, you know, I actually took a shot on Raquel Pennington at plus 500, and I was one judge's scorecard away from cashing that plus 500 underdog. So, you know, when she went on to fight Marion Renault, I, I didn't take a shot on Renault in that fight. I passed. But I was kind of like, hey, you know, maybe uh, Renault has a chance here. And, you know, it, Holly Holm clearly won the fight, but it still wasn't like, wow, she's going to be the one to defeat Ronda Rousey. It was kind of like Ronda Rousey's going to walk across there, throw her on her on her face, and break her arm. I actually thought she was going to go out there and knock out Holly Holm. I know it sounds ridiculous, you know, in uh, retrospect, but at the time, you know, I thought that uh, that Ronda was going to retire undefeated, and, you know, Holly Holm proved us wrong. So I can definitely see that being your pick for Fighter of the Year, 100%. Now, we are our Fighter of the Year, but now we got to talk about the robbery of the year. And my vote is... Valamir Lazaro versus Michelle Prezeras. I mean, I've never seen a more clear 29-28 in my life for Prezeras. I know uh, my boy Kyle had money on Prezeras. I had money on Lazaro, so maybe I'm a little bitter. But, I mean, look, if my guy legit lost, I'm not going to sit here and cry about it because losing is part of the game. But when your guy clearly wins and then loses, it's like, oh, my God, are you kidding me right now? So for that reason, Valmir Lazaro versus Michelle Prezeras was bar none the worst decision of 2015. Now, Kyle, I got to know, what is the robbery of the year? Man, off the top of my head, you throw me, uh, throw me for a loop on this one. How about you, Bob? You got one right now? Uh, sure. Um, I know, uh, Daniel, I know you'll probably disagree with this because you've had one guy as a guest and not the other one, but at least at the time, granted, haven't rewatched it, at the time, I thought um, the Michael Johnson, Benel Darius was Ooh. a huge robbery, and that's just that's just the first one that comes to my mind. But at the time, watching it, I thought it was clear two rounds Michael Johnson to one for Darius. So, at the top of my head, there you go. <laughs> yeah, and that's a good one. You know, I'm really I'm super biased, so I'm not even gonna comment on that one. But I mean, it's pretty obvious why everyone thinks. 
that Michael Johnson won the fight. Now, I got to know, Kyle, do you have a, a robbery of 2015 to give us right here, right now on Half the Battle? I do not. That was the one, actually. Man, that, ugh, that fight pissed me off so bad. We were there in Nashville right next to the cage, and uh, that, that was about to make the night unbelievably great for me. And then I got that robbery loss. Uh, still a great night, uh, betting and fun-wise, but, boy, if that, if that decision went the right way, it would have been... It would have been something else. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I actually got lucky. The the Benny decision, you know, covered my ass on OSP. So I'm not going to complain too much on that one. Now, next up, we got to talk about the prospect to watch in 2016. Now, this isn't the contender to watch. This is the prospect to watch. We'll get to the contender in a second. Now, my prospect to watch in 2016 is Brian T. City Ortega. I mean, this kid's jiu-jitsu is absolutely ridiculous. You see videos of him rolling with, uh, what's the dude's name? What's the that the Gracie guy, the, the tall one? Uh, Heron or Henner? Henner Gracie. Yeah, you see this video of him rolling with Henner Gracie in the gi, and, you know, obviously gi jiu-jitsu and MMA are two completely different things, but when you see him going with a top-level jiu-jitsu athlete like that and the moves that they're doing, the transitionings, man, Brian T. City Ortega's jiu-jitsu is nothing to be messed with. And then he goes inside the octagon, and he goes up there against Tiago Tavares, who, you know, this guy is a vet who's been in the game for a long, long time, man. If you're not on top of your game, Tiago Tavares will beat you 100%. And not only did Brian T. City, you know, sweep him when he was off his back, not only did he beat him standing, he goes out there, he TKOs Tavares in the third round when, you know, you could have made an argument that he might have been down. So... This kid is someone to look out for, and I'm very curious to see what happens when he faces Diego Brandao at UFC 195. Now, Kyle, I got to know, man, who is your prospect to watch in 2016? I'm going to go back to the Duho Choi kid. Uh, just seeing film on him before he got to the UFC, I knew he was going to be special. And then, boy, he took some shots from Cecilia, gave him back, and he looked super impressive. I can't wait to see him get back in the octagon. Uh, so Duho Choi. Bob, who is your prospect to watch in 2016? Huh, I'd, I'd like to go Algerman Sterling, but at some point, I mean, he's already top 10. He's already had a decent amount of fights in the UFC, so I'm not really sure I can call him a prospect anymore. And Actually, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go a little weird with it. I'll, I'm going Tamden McCrory. It's Barncat's time because <laughs> <laughs> he's come back from the UFC. Uh, before he left for all those years, I believe he went... Either one and one or two and two, something like that. So, but he hasn't been here in a while, so I'm I'm considering him a prospect right now. And War Bar Camp, baby. That is a very good pick, and you know he definitely surprised me with that performance against Josh Saman. So definitely keep an eye out for the Barn Camp. Now we got to talk about the contender to watch in 2016, and my vote goes to Tony Ferguson. I mean, this kid. You know, he's always had really good boxing, but the area of his game he's really been working on lately is the jiu-jitsu. I mean, one doesn't simply uh, go for standing darse chokes and then pull a guard in a UFC fight. And that's exactly what this guy does. And, you know, he's uh, really mixing up his game. And something interesting that he brings to the table that he talks about is, you know, he doesn't train out of a conventional gym where he goes in there and takes classes. This guy's camp is centered around him. He is the star of his camp. And in a way, I think that that's the next generation of fight camps. You know, obviously my boy Conor McGregor did something similar. I think Tony Ferguson is someone you got to look out for. Now, I got a lot of respect for for RDA. Obviously, you know, I bet on him to defeat uh, Cowboy Cerrone, but Tony Ferguson could be the guy to give him a fight. You know, in this form of RDA's career, he's the best he's ever been. You know, back in the day, obviously, we know he had a couple rough losses, but ever since he started working with Master Rafael Cordero and with uh, Nick Curson on his uh, strength and conditioning, the guy has just become a total beast, and you know, it doesn't look right now like there's anyone that could give him a run for his money. Maybe Conor McGregor, but maybe at the 155-pound division, maybe Tony Ferguson is the guy. So for that reason, I think he's the contender to watch in 2016. Now, Kyle, who is your contender to watch in the new year? Uh, I would say Khabib, but does he even fight anymore? I'm, I'm not sure. Who? He used to fight some Russian guy. He might have retired. I don't know. He gets hurt all the time. So I'm going to go ahead and say Aljamain Sterling instead. Um he is he's so well-rounded. He can do it all. Uh, he's impressed me every time out there. Him versus Dillashaw would be a good match. Uh, I'm going to have to say Sterling. Yeah, and i got to be honest. You know, I wasn't sold on Sterling until his last fight, but, geez, man, this kid is the truth. And all you guys who have been saying for a long time to look out for Aljamain Sterling, props to you guys because you're really on to something. He is 
someone to look out for. Now, Bob, I got to know, contender to watch in 2016. I'm going Max Holloway uh, for a couple very specific reasons. One, he for the amount of fights he's had in the UFC, he's still super young. So, huge chance to grow from fight to fight. He's shown that he has. Uh, two, although he does have a loss to Conor McGregor, he's the only person to take him to decision. Yeah, I know, I, I know Conor hurt his knee and everything like that, but at that point, uh, Max Holloway did not have a specific striking coach. He kind of just had, and, and this, so he, he didn't have a striking coach at the time, and with how well he did the striking then. And he's shown that he's willing to fight to whatever style will help him win. So he's fighting Jeremy Stevens. So obviously he's going to stay away from the power, because that's all Stevens has. So he pot shots him around uh, at distance. Won't let him get into uh, that close range that he needs to to get his big shot off. Uh, so I think that probably of most anybody in the division, except maybe Frankie Edgar, he's going to pose the biggest threat to Conor McGregor. And with how young he is, even let's say they fight again, he loses, he can still be growing for the next five to seven years with how young he is, which is pretty ridiculous. So he's my uh, contender to watch. Yeah, Max Holloway is absolutely a guy to watch. You know, I do believe he will be fighting for the title in 2016. And, you know, I'd like to see him face a guy like Chad Mendez, but unfortunately Mendez is coming off two straight knockout losses. Mendez needs to chill for a little bit, take some time off, you know, heal that, uh, he'll heal that brain and just, uh, you know, get, you know, go, go hunt for a little bit, you know, let your mind rest. And once he's ready to come back, you know, maybe take a little step-up fight. And then fight Max Holloway because, you know, everyone questions uh, how will Max Holloway do against the American wrestler. The same questions they had for Conor McGregor. Now they're, they they got those questions for uh, Max. And Max, obviously, he's very good. He might not be the next Conor McGregor, but he's got his own style. And you got to respect that style because, obviously, we know him for his standing. But he's been finishing guys with guillotine chokes, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, black belts. He's making other guys who rip dudes' necks off. He's making them quit within two minutes of the first round. I think that Max is... Uh, is a guy to look out for 100%. So I could not agree more with your contender to watch in 2016. Now, we got to talk about the fighters that won you the most money and the fighters that lost you the most money in 2015. Now, first, we're going to start off with the ones that won you the most money. And for me personally, Conor McGregor and Robert Whitaker won me the most money in 2015. You know, obviously, Conor... Yeah, the Dennis Seaver fight, we, you know, we bet the under one and a half. We bet the inside the distance. That was easy money, you know. So that that wasn't really that big of a deal. But when he fought Chad, that's when everyone was like, oh, you know, he's never fought the American wrestler, yeah, this or that. And, and, I mean, me and Kyle were laughing all the way to the bank on that one. You know, 6.5 unit play, cashed easily in style. So, yeah, that won me the most money up until that point. And then, obviously, he goes in there and fights the great Jose Aldo, put another 6.5 units on him and cash that easily. And Robert Whitaker, man, you know, ever since he moved up to the middleweight division, you know, at first people were like, oh, he's going to be too small. But, you know, he's actually uh, proven that, you know, if you're cutting too much weight, maybe it is better to go up a weight class. You know, for example, Dustin Poirier, this kid uh, at featherweight, he wasn't taking shots the best, but, I mean, he was still, you know, top five in the world. But now he's up at 155 pounds, and he's knocking out dudes that have never been knocked out before in the very first round. And Robert Whitaker is doing the same thing, man. So I think that, uh, you know, obviously, I don't think, I know, Whitaker won me some of the most money I've made in 2015 because he's always the underdog, and, you know, he's the smaller guy, so people count him out. But, uh I hope, you, I hope no one's counting him out anymore, and you definitely got to look out for Robert Whitaker and obviously the champion, Conor McGregor. Those are the two fighters that won me the most money in 2015. Now, Kyle, I got to know, who won you the most money in this year? Conor, definitely Conor. Uh, bet on him every fight in the UFC. Um, that's gone pretty well so far. Uh, but since you stole him, I'm going to go ahead and say Dunham and Pearson. I don't think I've, I got a fight wrong on either of them this year. Uh, including the one where they fought each other. Uh, so I'm going to have to go with those guys, uh, a little under the radar, but pretty sure I went undefeated on them this year. Yeah, and speaking of which, you know, I actually wanted to get the Town Masters perspective on something because Ross Pearson, he's fighting Francisco Masuranduba Trinaldo next month. And I got to know right here, right now on Half the Battle, who's going to win that fight? Because, I mean, you don't pick Ross Pearson fights wrong. Where is that fight? You know, off the top of my head... I think it's in Boston, but I could be wrong. But bottom line, it's happening in January. Um, man, that's tough. I might have to go with Pearson since it's not in Brazil. 
But that might be one where I just take the dog. I don't know. It's definitely going to depend on weigh-ins. Either way, got to see how both fighters look. But whew, that's a tough one. Right now, as long as it's not in Brazil, though, I'll say Pearson. Well, with that being said, you know, Francisco Masturon Dubat 3 0 he actually knocked out Chad Lepre in the first round in Canada. So, you know, I know exactly what you're saying, you know, as far as it not being in Brazil. But, you know, he is coming off, you know, beating a dude in the first round in his hometown. Now, can he go in there against Ross Pearson and defeat him? Maybe. It's just one of those fights where I got to see the number before, you know, I start talking about who I'm picking. You, you feel where I'm coming from, Kyle? No doubt. No and, uh, and Bob, I got to know, man, what fighter won you the most money this year? Ryan Bader, baby. I bet him against uh, Phil Davis, and I bet him against uh, uh, Rashad Evans. A little bit bigger on the Davis front, and he had, he's the big underdog against Davis, and just he always gets counted out because obviously he doesn't have much of a chin to speak of, but... Uh, in the situation with Davis, at some point, they have very similar styles, other than the fact that Davis doesn't like to punch people in the mouth. He just likes to circle and kick. So, it would be a close decision. And yeah, I made the most money on Ryan Bader, which I'm pretty damn proud of, because he has the best abs and, and biceps in all the UFC. And if, if you disagree with that, then you could just go right on home. <laughs> yeah, I, I made a lot of money on Ryan Bader when he fought Rashad, and I think he was like plus 150 or something like that. And, you know, back in the day, Rashad would have beat him, but when you're talking about guys coming off, you know, two years layoffs, and two years ago when they last fought, they looked really bad. You got to go with the underdog when the underdog's a young lion like Ryan Bader. Now, I got to ask you, Bob, do you expect to make that kind of money when he's plus 500 against Rumble Johnson? Uh, I do actually expect to make a lot of money on that fight, but. It's going to be with him involved. It's just not really going to be with him winning. It's going to be more with him, you know, like, how do I say this? Like, laying on the ground in, like, a not as comfortable way as you might think. And then after a while, after, like, some salts and stuff, he'll wake up. So, yeah. Yeah, the foregone conclusion is that Rumble's going to knock him out in the first round. But, I mean, you know, the only reason I'm hesitant to, you know, play a rumble inside the distance prop, you know, besides the fact that it's going to be minus 250, is the way he, uh, you know, performed against DC. I know DC is way better than Ryan Bader, but when I get burnt minus four units and I think a guy's going to be champ and then he goes out there and quits like that, I'm not betting on him anytime soon. So, yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. Then, if you're going to do that, though, look at Bader by decision because if he's going to beat the way he's been fighting recently, which is more geared towards his style and protect his chin, similar to how Wolverine's doing it now. If he wins, it's going to be a decision similar to like the Davis fight. So that plus 500, the decision is probably going to be about plus 800. Yeah, I'll definitely have to take a gander, you know, see how they're looking on fight week and just take it from there. Now we got to talk about the fighters that lost you the most money this year. Now the fighters that lost me the most money this year, surprisingly, are Kelvin Gastelum and Paul Felder. You know, with Gastello, I had him against Woodley, and uh, this is a, you know, a lesson that I, that I learned from, a mistake I learned from was that, you know, I bet on Gastelum as the underdog before the weigh-ins, and then Gastelum shows up nine pounds overweight, and this, this is the kind of regard I hold Kelvin Gastelum in. You know, this is how good he is. On his worst possible day, he misses weight by nine pounds, he gets hospitalized, he has the flu, and he still goes to a split decision with the number three guy in the world. But he unfortunately lost me money. But I wasn't discouraged because, you know, then he goes out there against Mark or it wins me a bunch, and then he's scheduled to fight Magny. And we had the town master himself come on half the battle and predict that Magny was going to get the upset. And, you know, I uh, I went against the town master, and I got burnt. So Kelvin Gastelum definitely lost me a lot of money this year. And also Paul Felder, you know, obviously the Danny Castillo knockout, one of the most incredible performances of 2015, one of the most incredible knockouts of 2015, we all think this guy, you know, he's the he's the dark horse of the 155-pound division. And then, uh, you know, that fight with Edson loses that as the dog and then goes in there against Ross Pearson as a minus 450 favorite. I had him parlayed. I forget with who, but, you know, we, that didn't come through either. So, yeah, Gastelum and Felder lost me the most money in 2015. But, guys, if you're watching, I'm still a big fan of you, and I hope you turn things around in the new year. Now, Kyle, I got to know, man, who lost you the most money this year? Oh, man. Boy, all right, well, I would say Yoel Romero because I bet against him like the last four times, but he's only fought twice this year, and I think I only had one one-and-a-half unit play, so it wasn't him. It's just I, I do not have a good streak of picking against him, that's for sure. I'm going to say Magneo. Uh, you said I picked him against Gastelum. That was the only fight I got right. Um, 
that Eric Silva fight cost me. I had a two dollar bet on that whole that whole card. It was a two dollar parlay on every single fight. Um, they were all right. I had like six huge dogs come through, and then it gets to Magni and Silva, and I had Silva winning that. And then all I had to do after that was just hedge, and it was it was a good night. But of course, Magni beats Silva, ruins my seventeen thousand dollar win that I could have had off of a two dollar bet. Uh, so I got to go with Magni. Yeah, I hate that guy. <laughs> well, we know you'll get it back in the new year. And just for future reference, you know, I'm 7-0 betting on Yoel Romero fights because there's one reason I always bet on Yoel. Two reasons, actually. And those reasons are he's always the underdog and he always wins. I can't think of a better reason to bet on someone. Now, I know, you know, luck doesn't last forever, but I don't know if I necessarily believe in luck. You know, I think that this guy is a freak athlete and... We just got to see what happens. I know in his title fight against Luke, he's going to be plus 500 or something like that. So let's see if I can make it 8-0 in the new year. I'm, I'm curious to find out. Now, Bob, I got to know, man, who lost you the most money in 2015? Well, this will be my last thing before I bid everyone do to have a merry north-cutting Christmas. But the person that has lost me the most is Michael Johnson. Uh, as said before, with my robbery of the year, I did bet. Michael Johnson against Benil Dariush is a last-minute thing. I was actually pretty torn on that fight the whole time, and eventually went with him. I thought his uh, his striking would just be a little bit crisper, and his wrestling would help out a little bit more. Um, and then it wasn't necessarily him. I early on I had a huge parlay with uh, Benson Henderson. I wanted to put as much on him as possible versus Masvidal because I thought that he just like it was he was going to win basically. And I linked it with Michael Johnson because I thought he was going to do one thing, well, technically three things, to beat uh, Nate Diaz the whole fight. He was going to jab, he was going to hook, he was going to leg kick. Then he was going to jab, then he was going to hook, then he was going to leg kick. Then he was going to circle a little bit, but then he was going to jab, then he was going to hook, then he was going to leg kick. Because even more so than Nick Diaz, Nate Diaz does not stop leg kicks. A little bit with his movement, he's, he's starting to get a little bit better, but he just eats them up. And with his pressure, everyone always abandons it. And I don't know why the, like, three leg kicks that uh, Cowboy landed on him dropped him with leg kicks, and for whatever reason, just couldn't do it. So I had an obscene amount of money between those, and he's cost me both times. So, well, an obscene amount the second time, and a half what he spent the first time. So for the year, him, and then with that, I'm going to say Merry Christmas to everyone, and enjoy the rest of the show. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, for all the fans, you got to follow Bob at MMA State of Mind on Twitter. Thank you so much for joining us, Bob. Now, Kyle, man, you know, you are the Tout Master. We're going to talk a little bit about Tout Master 2016. You know, for everyone watching, uh, a couple of our friends are literally revolutionizing the game. And what you can do to join Tout Master is, you know, it's $50 entry. Every single person that's competing in Tout Master has to enter with $50. And basically, we took the top MMA handicappers on planet Earth. And, you know, now we're getting UFC fighters. You know, we're getting guys in famous bands. We're getting, uh, you know, just fans of the sport. So it's not even handicappers anymore. Now it's just whoever wants to pay that fee and join Tout Master and be crowned the Tout Master. You know, you, uh, you can contact us and we'll get you in touch with the right people. And, you know, basically, you get points uh based on how you pick the fights for example if you pick a favorite and the favorite comes through and wins you get one point if you pick the underdog now let's say you pick nate diaz to defeat michael johnson he was plus 425 that means you get 4.25 points for that underdog so you know all the favorites get one point and all the underdogs that win the points you get is based on the line so it's very cool now you know you won the inaugural town master so just uh you know give give a little sales pitch why don't you tell uh you know, the listeners, why they should sign up for Tout Master 2016. Well, I turned my $50 into 1200 so that's that's my number one reason on why you quick. Uh, I mean, it was fun all year long. You pick every single fight, even the ones you don't know anything about. I mean, it makes it interesting because you got Tout Master on the line. So you don't have to, you know, throw a one-unit bet just to have some action on a fight because now you got Tower Master and every fight is meaningful. Uh, fun competition all year long. You can see uh, all the smart, sharp guys. You can see who they're picking before the fights start, so maybe that will help out with your bets. Uh, it's my favorite competition I'm doing right now, so I can't wait. 
Yeah, it was an incredible competition. We highly recommend you guys join in 2016. Like I said, just contact me, contact Kyle. We'll put you in touch with the right people and get you signed up. Now, Kyle, I got to thank you so much for joining me on this very special edition of Half the Battle. You know, year end, 2015 has finally come to a close. Just go ahead and, you know, the floor is yours. Thank anyone you want to thank. Plug anything you want to plug and just let us know what's going on with the inaugural Toutmaster. Uh, thank you for having me on again. Uh, thank the MMA analysis crew for having Toutmaster. Thank Conor McGregor for being the GOAT that he is, uh, having the year that he had. And then um, just follow me on Twitter, Big Marley 3 uh, I stopped uh, tracking my bets this last month. It was just getting a little too much with NFL, but started 2016. I'll be tracking again. Follow Gamble Pro Sheets. That's who I'll be tracking with, and uh, should be a good year. Good luck to you and everybody else. Merry Christmas. Yeah, absolutely. Merry Christmas to you as well. Now, there's a couple people I got to thank. You know, firstly, I got to thank Flying Brian. You know, when 2015 started, I didn't have a show. I didn't have a podcast. I didn't even appear on any podcast. I was just a dude who, you know, picked fights. And I'm not, I'm not talking about going to a bar and pushing someone, picking a fight like that. I'm talking about, you know, I'd pick winners and losers for, uh, you know, for the UFC fights. I'd pick who I thought was going to win. You know, some won, some lost for the year came out on top, so it's all good. But, uh, you know, Flying Brian, this guy, he basically got me my start in the podcast. And, you know, I hit him up one day. I was like, dude, I'd love to come on your show and talk about the fight sometime. And, you know, that little message went so far for him to say yes and to have me on his show. That was the catalyst for, you know, creating half the battle. And I got to thank Flying Brian because if it wasn't for him, you know, may maybe I'd still be in the, you know, in the podcasting and doing my own show, but that's literally where I got my start. So thank you so much, Flying Brian. Now, James Lynch, you know, this guy's been like a mentor to me. You know, he's, uh, he's never, uh, you know, too big to answer any questions and, you know, always there for me and not just me, for other people too. One of the hardest working guys in the game. One of the best guys in the game. Thank you for everything you've done, James Lynch. You're the man. I wish you an incredible new year, my man. You know, this guy's recently married and yeah, I just wish him the best. Now, I also got to thank James Vick. This is the first fighter I ever interviewed on half the battle. And, you know, we actually, we became really good friends. He's my boy. And all I got to say is that you can expect us to release a lot of stuff in the new year. And that's, I'm just going to leave it at that. Now, all the fans of half the battle, all the fans of flying with best fight picks, everyone that follows best fight picks and, you know, the top master and just everyone in our little community of friends. I sincerely want to take off my hat that I'm not wearing right now. And thank you guys, you know, for all your support this year and all your support to come because I know you guys are a loyal bunch and I sincerely appreciate everything you've done for me and for everyone in the community. I want to thank you guys. Hope you have a happy holiday and, you know, Merry Christmas to everyone that it applies to. Happy New Year. Be safe out there. Don't drink and drive. Call Uber. Call AAA. Do what you got to do. Enjoy the fights and best of luck at UFC 195, guys.